Welcome to The Edges of Lean. I'm Bella Engelbach, and in this podcast, we explore the human and creative side of lean thinking, unusual places where lean thinking is practiced. We meet people who are practicing continuous improvement in many different flavors and styles. So come along with me on a journey to the edges of lean. Episode 23, Continuous Improvement and the Kind Leader, with today's guest, Karen Ross. Karen Ross is an internationally acclaimed keynote speaker, consultant, coach, and practitioner. But when people ask her what she does, she simply says she's on a mission to help people create a kinder, better world. She's the author of six books, and she's here today to talk about her new book, The Kind Leader, A Practical Guide to Eliminating Fear, Creating Trust, and Leading with Kindness. Karen Ross, welcome back to The Edges of Lean. And I'm just very excited to have you here today because you have a really exciting new project that uh, you're sharing with the world and that you're launching uh, with a, a, a week, a whole week, focusing on the amazing work that you're doing. So can you just get started by by telling us what it is that you're doing? Absolutely. And thank you, Bella. I'm so happy and excited to be back on the edges of lean. And I actually think that this topic fits perfectly on the idea about the edges of lean. So I've written a new book called The Kind Leader, A Practical Guide to Eliminating Fear, Creating Trust, and Leading with Kindness. And that's going to be out on September 10th. And we're going to have a whole week to celebrate that Kind Leadership Week, September 13th through 17th. We're going to have all different kinds of activities because kind leadership is too important to just devote one day to it. And I've started a new school. Yes, an actual school where people can take classes and workshops called the New School for Kind Leaders. And why does this fit on the edges of lean? I think that people automatically think that lean leadership and the way that people work in lean is kind. I think that actually kind leadership goes beyond lean leadership and we can have a fabulous discussion about why I think that. Well, okay. I I think that's a really interesting thought. Um, And as I was preparing for this podcast, I was thinking the same thing. I was thinking you don't necessarily have to be working in a quote unquote lean enterprise or a lean organization or working in a lean way to become a kind leader. In fact, it probably is helpful everywhere. But maybe we could rewind just a little bit and tell me, what do you mean by kindness what is kindness because it's a word that gets thrown around a lot absolutely and it's really interesting when i started to write the book i interviewed like 30 different people about their experience with kindness and leadership and when i asked people can you define kindness for me please and there would be this huge pause and people could tell me something that someone had done for them that was kind or something that they'd done for someone else that was kind. But to actually define the word kindness was really, really difficult for people. So here's the definition of kindness that I created for the book and that we'll use throughout. Kindness is actually 
when we take the empathy. Empathy is a thought. It's our ability to put ourselves in someone else's shoes and think about what, do, what, what does this feel like from somebody else's perspective? How do I understand what's going on here? Not from my own perspective and experience, but really from somebody else's. So to take those thoughts, and then when we understand what's happening from somebody else's perspective, we have the feeling of compassion, right? So we see that they're suffering and we understand that their suffering is similar to our suffering. And we have that feeling that we wanna do something to alleviate that suffering. Kindness is the action we take to turn our own internal thoughts of empathy and feelings of compassion into something that does something to make another person or another group of people's life or experience better. So kindness has to do with action. It goes beyond what we feel and think to purposefully doing something that makes something better for someone else. So one of the things that pops into my mind immediately when you when you talk about that is this sort of idea of silos in an organization. I'm not thinking necessarily about organizational silos between somebody who does one function and somebody who does another function. I'm thinking about the kind of silo is probably more like a horizontal silo that lies between the people who are responsible for overall managing work and leading work and, and leading an organization and the people who are doing the work. So let me give you an example. Um, I, as, as many of you know, my listeners and you know, I spent most of my career in the pharmaceutical industry and spent quite a few years working in a lab. And one of the things that people in the lab wanted to do was get out of the lab. You know, I'm going to get a job that's not a lab job. And sometimes they would get a job that was actually supervising a lab. And, and one of the things we saw was that there were two kinds of people who supervised labs. There were some people who actually went into the lab they were supervising. And there were some people who never went into the lab. So there's a connection with lean there, right? You know, whether you actually go to the Gemba or not. In your interviews with people, were you able to understand or find out how people felt about that idea of get, sort of rising in an organization and then not going back to the place where the, where the work is being done? Well, that's super interesting because we have three key, I've divided the, the kind leader practices into three key ones about thinking kindly, speaking kindly, and acting kindly. And each of them has key behaviors. And one of the <laughs> key behaviors is that we check in with people. And in Lean, we might call this go and see, right? Uh -huh. And there's a little bit of a difference. So check in means we go back to the lab, but we don't only look at the results. So, because oftentimes even people in supervisory roles go and go and check on. Are people actually doing what they're supposed to be doing, what we're paying them to be doing, right? Are the results, uh, are we hitting our targets? Are we hitting the results? In this case, the way to look at that from the kind leadership be, uh, behavior is to remember, have that empathy. 
okay, you actually were in a lab. And now you've gone out of the lab, you can put yourself in the people who are doing the work's shoes. And you know, from having done the work yourself, what was difficult, though you don't know, from necessarily the perspective of every single person, you don't know if they're struggling with a sick parent at home, or a child who's having problems in school, or they're having their own mental health issues. So the idea is we go and we check in with people to see how they're doing, not just what they're doing, but how they're doing as people and make that connection with them as real people. And I think one of the things that's been impactful, I've had this own experience myself because I actually learned lean in the Gemba. I was frontline customer service in a payroll company. And now of course I consult with organizations and I coach people. I've never, ever forgotten that feeling of being on the phone and having a customer screaming at me because there was a defect in their payroll, right? So we have to check in with people as people. That's the kindness part. And then, again, kindness is an action. So when we go and we check back, we have to do something to help the people. Right? We have to do something to help them. If we just go in and say, oh, things are terrible. Sorry to hear it. Bye, see you later. That's not kind leadership. In fact, it's not good leadership in any way. So it's not enough to go and say, gosh, I really feel for you. You know, so that's, yeah, you have all of my sympathy. Yes. Right. Is what do we now do to take that action to help someone? So oftentimes we spend a lot of time thinking about lean leadership as asking better questions, right? Asking open-ended mm -hmm. questions. How can we do this? What Those are super important. But actually in kind leadership, what's just as important is to listen with open eyes, open ears, open mind, and an open heart. Because once we ask someone a question, we want them to really tell us what's going on from their perspective. Lots of times what we're gonna hear is maybe something we don't wanna hear. Maybe we don't agree with their perspective. Maybe we don't agree with their point of view. Maybe we wish things were different. Maybe they're angry or upset. Maybe they're telling us something that we know in our heart that we have to work on to improve. If we actually don't listen and then think, what can I do? to help this person, even if I don't agree with their perspective, <laughs> even if I think they're like just wrong, then we haven't turned our thoughts of empathy and our feelings of compassion into action. And it's that action that's kindness. Right. So I think when people think about leadership, they do think about those, and particularly lean leadership, they do think about those things. They think, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help, you know, make sure there's a vision. People know kind of what the true north is, what direction we're headed. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna ask the great questions. I'm gonna coach people through solving problems. And at the same time, um, 
they also need to be figuring out, well, how do I, you know, how do I work on myself? How do I change myself so I could do those things? What you're saying, Karen, is that there's another thing that needs to happen, right? So the, the, the kind leader um, needs to be doing those things if they're in a lean organization. And in addition, what they need to be doing is working out how do I actually help this person? Now, what, like, how far does one go, right? I mean, so I'm going to give you a great example. I work with an organization and the uh, actually the owner of the organization had a higher level manager come to the, them and say, you know, there's the, the, this one employee is having problems and we've done all these different kind of things and we want to let the person go. And they've been a long time employee and the, the owner, it didn't sit right with him. And he's a very kind and thoughtful person. So he actually went to have a discussion first with the manager, and then he went and talked to the employee, and he found that the person who was the employee was having financial difficulties. And he figured out how to actually help the person. So some of the uh, employees, the other employees were complaining that, you know, the, the, it wasn't turning up in the uniform, et cetera, right? So the owner made sure that he gave him some extra money to get the things that he needed so that others could feel more positive. So when you think about people as human beings, why actually could we not do something like that to help them? Uh -huh. Right? So go, and so once he did that, actually <laughs> it helped and things got better. The person kept their job. And we're all good. I think that leads then into the into the question of of how do you have that difficult conversation? So if you if you need to to you know go to an employee and say you know you're not, for example, you know dressing the way that we expect the people in this organization to be dressing, whether it's a uniform or you know or something else or some other difficult conversation. Um, you know, obviously there are ways to have difficult conversations that are difficult, right? And there are ways to have difficult conversations that, that feel kind, but are actually not kind. So is there, is there a key to having a difficult conversation in a way that truly is kind? Yes, and I love it that you're asking this question because when I started working on the book, so many people said to me, well, they, you can't have kind leadership because, you know, kindness is weakness and leadership needs strength. How are you going to have all those difficult conversations oh. that leaders need to have? If you have kindness, you, you have to be like, it's not going to work. And I thought, oh, well, here's part of the problem because actually <laughs> leaders are always going to have a difficult conversation. And when you think about it, it takes a lot more strength to actually have a difficult conversation in a kind way than it does in an unkind way. When we fly off the handle, when we shout at people, when we call people names, <laughs> we do all of those things, doesn't require that much strength. When we disagree with someone's perspective and we wanna have a conversation with them, it's going to take a lot of strength and a lot of planning to actually have that conversation in a kind way. And remember, a kind way means that we're thinking about the outcome, a positive outcome 
for the other person. So the first thing to do, and we're actually having a whole course on this, this fall at New School for Kind Leaders called How to Have a Difficult Conversation Kindly. But the key is really to focus on the other person and to start by assuming positive intent. That's our first thing kindly, our first thing kindly behavior. Assume positive intent. From our lean background, we know that mm -hmm. we are wrong at least 50% of the time, right? That's what Paiichi Ono taught us. So we should assume that the person is doing something, whatever they're doing, for some kind of beneficial reason or a reason that makes sense to them. It might not make sense to us, but we shouldn't assume we know what that is. So we should go and oftentimes, because I've been in these kind of conversations, they often start out with the leader pointing their finger and saying, hey, you did this and this and this, or this result happened and this and this and this. They're often focused on the ends and focused on statements versus questions. So what instead if we went and thought, okay, I'm gonna assume positive intent, here's this person. And of course the end didn't turn out right, but I'm gonna assume they had a good intention. And I sit down and I say to them factually, I see that this has happened. Could you please tell me more? And then again, so first, as leaders, we're used to talking first. What if we listen first? Mm -hmm. And then we listen and again, listen with open eyes, open, <laughs> open mind and an open heart. And then think and work together to think, here's the outcome. What can we do in a positive way to help this person achieve that outcome? And if we, I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be easy, but what difficult conversation is easy? But right. it's kindly, right? So that I don't have to attack you and make you feel terrible. You don't have to fight back with me and make me feel terrible. And when a leader has that kind of difficult conversation kindly with someone, that person learns how to have a difficult conversation. And when they go home and they have to have a difficult conversation with their partner or their child, because goodness knows we are gonna have a difficult conversation with our partner or our child. How many times a day, Bella? How many times a day, right? <laughs> many sometimes, yeah. Yes, they're now gonna have a model of how to have that conversation kindly. So we're going to bring that kindness outside of the organization to people's families and then people in their family learn how to have a difficult conversation kindly. They bring it out to community organizations that they're in and we can actually change that system. Setting, so that setting with what's happening at work. Correct. That's, that's, yeah, it's beautiful. I, you know, and it's interesting, you know, you, you reminded us of, of Taiichi Ono saying that, that we're wrong at least 50% of the time. Um, I, you know, what the, someone who I, I think is doing some really interesting work is Marcus Buckingham, who doesn't think of himself as, you know, he doesn't think of himself as a lean person at all, but he does a lot of, of um, research uh, on um, performance. And one of the things that Marcus Buckingham says is that when you get into... Uh, evaluating people's performance and it's not about delivery of a thing but it's about something that is much less tangible 
you know, it perhaps it's behavioral, that we're wrong even more often than that. And so it's very difficult for supervisors to truly evaluate and give people really good feedback on uh, or, or quote unquote difficult feedback on behavioral um, uh, aspects of work, which as you get more and more into into less tangible kinds of work are, are more and more important. And he says what actually happens is that we, we compare people only to ourselves and how we perceive ourselves. So most of the time when we're trying to, when we say if somebody's doing something wrong and they're doing it behaviorally, they're probably just not doing it in the way that we would do it, right? Or the way that we would imagine that we would do it. And that means, I think, makes those conversations even more important, right? To find out how is the person thinking? Well, how are they thinking about this? Because they may be thinking about it very differently from the way we are. Right, and that's that empathy part, right? putting yourself in the other person's point of, in the other person's shoes and understanding not from your point of view of their point of view from actually their point of view and the story you just told ties back to something else that i found a lot in my research and uh, is really part of kind leadership is that fear and kindness don't go together so if you're the supervisor who now is having a difficult conversation because you're seeing something in your uh, employee that it's like not the way that you've done it, would want to do it, oftentimes when you look very closely at it, for the supervisor, there is a personal fear attached to that. Mm. So, mm, well, my employee... I have to present this PowerPoint to senior leadership. And my employee didn't do it in a way that I would do it. I was in an organization once where the size of your bullet points was scrutinized. Like I cannot tell you, right? They all had to be like if they weren't all the same point. But when I now, when I go to present this, maybe I'm gonna be embarrassed. Maybe someone's going to give me negative feedback and criticism. Maybe someone's going to be unkind to me and treat me unkindly. Maybe I'm up for promotion. But actually, I'm not going to get the promotion because someone in that meeting is going to say, I'm not good enough. So when we experience fear, we tend to treat others unkindly because we're focused on ourselves. But remember the definition of kindness. Kind leaders are focused on positive outcomes for others. So fear and competition often go hand in hand. So when you think of the kind of organizations we are often talking about, that focus on the ends, that competition, we have to be the best organization at this. We have to be the first one out like this. Our team has to get this result, that all of those things cause fear in supervisors who then take that fear and treat others unkindly because of their own fear. And again, that vicious circle of fear. Okay, yeah. you remember it, Bella, that cartoon when we were growing up, right? The manager yells at the employee, the employee goes home, yells at their spouse, the spouse yells at the child, the child kicks the dog. Well, guess what? 
as our fabulous friend Deandra Wardell said, and you can read in the book, that's not the end of the circle because that child then goes to school, bullies other kids, grows up, becomes the manager who <laughs> yells at the employee who goes home and yells at their spouse. So that system, that cycle continues. Again, we have the opportunity to change that by having leaders who deliberately act with kindness. Kindness and fear don't go together. And then when we have those difficult conversations kindly, when we actually really treat people kindly, when they feel they can bring their whole, they learn that at work, they take it back home and we create a virtuous circle of trust and kindness. And that is how you change the world simply by how you treat somebody at work. Correct. Or at home. Right. Correct. And I'd like people to think about this because some people who will be listening to this will say, well, I'm not in a leadership role. I don't have a leadership title. I'm the person who's coming and typing in people's payroll 40 uh, hours a week, right? I'm not a leader. I'd like you to think about that again because as I say in the book, we all have leader hats and follower hats. And we put those leader hats and follower hats, we exchange them at different points of the day. So maybe at work, I am the person who is typing uh, in people's payrolls 40 hours a week. When I go home, I am a single parent and I'm the head of my household. Or after work, I go and I coach my child's sports team. I put on my leader hat. So what leaders, we spend, how much time do we spend at work in our adult life? Bella, more time than anything. So what we learn about leadership at work, we actually learn that by osmosis and we take it to every other situation. So we may not be in a leadership role at work, but actually at home we are or in a community organization we are. And then we take what we've learned and we teach other people. And other people in those organizations have their follower hats on, but maybe actually then they go to work and they're in a leadership role and they put their leader hat on and they learn how to lead with kindness. Every single person is a leader. Well, I think even somebody who is at work feels like they're always in a follower role, has those opportunities to be a leader even at work, right? So, you know, you're, you're sitting there typing in the payroll 40 hours a week. One day there's going to be a new payroll person. So you can be the leader in welcoming that person and, and figuring out what does this person need to be successful um, over and above what their manager is going to do for them, right? So there's, I mean, there's always an opportunity to, to do that kind of leadership, even if you're not the leader of the department or the organization um, and uh, opportunities to practice that. So if you think about like, how could this like build on itself? Um, it's, it's very, very powerful. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think we all need to become much more conscious of actually when we're wearing our leader hat, right? Mm -hmm. And then how we're, we're acting because leaders lead. And my definition of leaders are anybody who has at least one person following them. But we often have one person following us, right? <laughs> and what you do as a leader makes a huge 
impact on that person who's following you, right? And people always think, oh, well, people aren't going to pay that much attention to what I'm doing. Bella, people are paying attention to what people are saying <laughs> and people are doing in leadership roles constantly. Your words as a leader carry a lot of weight and mm -hmm. they travel fast and they travel far. I'd like to go back to what you were saying about competition because I think a lot of organizations internally set up competition even though they they don't think about it every day and that is through their performance evaluation system when they are going to start when they're going to assign people and you know a performance number pay them according to performance which is um you know there's a lot of debate about whether pay for performance is the right thing to do or not uh, and i don't want to get into that but um, when you were talking about, you know, why does the leader feel fear? I could just picture this, you know, the, the leader, and this may be somebody who is an internal um, consultant, a lean consultant, continuous improvement consultant in an organization, may be concerned in the back of their mind that they are going to be evaluated. And so if somehow they, you know, they, they have, they're in competition with their peers, um, that might impact their ability to um, to behave in a way that that really drives the kind of behavior that we're looking for and and then once you get into fear right you know there are all sorts of, of other unfortunate consequences of fear so if Karen Ross and, and I know I haven't sort of prepared you for this question if you were responsible for designing performance management for organizations that want to have kind leaders how would you do that well, it's all right that you asked this because this is actually a topic covered in the book. So it's perfectly fine. So if you read the, the book, you're actually going to find this information. And I absolutely agree Learn with the you. book, everyone. <laughs> so here's the thing. When we have that performance evaluation, we're already judging people on the ends, the results of their work or their effort. And in fact, oftentimes we're not looking at them as human beings, right? We're just looking at, oh, here's Karen payroll processor and um, how many uh, checks did she produce? How many checks did she produce accuracy, accurately? Now you've reduced me to a number. And so then sometimes we uh, add up all those numbers and then we have those nine blocker things in performance and say you're in two or three, you're in five. And what happens is that we set up people to automatically know they're in a competitive situation with others and to focus on themselves, their performance and make decisions that actually don't focus on our customer or the organization, they focus on ourselves. So if this were me, first of all, I would get a lot rid of a lot of the different competitive things we have, teams, even if you put people on a team, now you've already set up a whole metaphor of, oh, our team is going to be the number one team, <laughs> right? I would actually never have performance evaluations that were once a year and gave you a number. We can have daily connection. Check in daily. If your kind leader is coming to check in with you daily, you could make adjustments during the day. 
why don't we just make commitments to people that we're actually going to hire you? You're not going to be a perfect person. Nobody's going to be a perfect person. We're going to help you to be successful in your life. And we're going to help you to be successful here. If we think back to Toyota, uh -huh. right? At the beginning of the birth of Lean, that's the commitment that they made to their employees. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in exchange for their employees to really help them to improve and build up the company and build up Japan, that they weren't going to have to worry. They weren't gonna to have to have fear about their job. They weren't gonna to have to have fear about their livelihood. I believe that every single person, Bella, should be paid a living wage and that should be automatic. We shouldn't have to worry about those kind of things. And when we got, get rid of that fear and competition, what can we focus on in the organization? We have what I call the continuum of kind leadership in the book. We move from competition through collaboration to cooperation, where we're all working as one, focused on helping someone else, to what I call kindness, which is a state in which actually we don't even see our customers or those people who are outside as others. We're working to create the best for all of us. There is not a single per perfect person here on earth. There is not a single perfect person in an organization, but we all have strengths and creativity and humanity to contribute. Let's get rid of the fear and all work together. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> That's what kind leadership can do. Bella, why should I judge you? Who actually, because someone put me and raised me to a promotion, how does that grant me the permission to judge you? And, and I think that's, the, yeah. I want you to do things the way I would do them. I think that's that's really is implicit in, in promotion, right? It's, it's the idea that somehow now you have, you're sort of, I don't know, better than other people or you know more. Often you know less than the people that were working for you, right? You don't always know what they know. And you certainly don't see it from their perspective. But this, you know, the idea of judging, which in many organizations is required. And we know what judgment does to creativity, right? Judgment um, judgment just stops creativity. So um, we, we really want to be, 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 you know, I think in a situation where we're not having to judge and having to, having to do that type of, of evaluation. Yes, and I've been thinking about something lately and you can think about it and everybody who's listening can think about it too. Think about what you watch on TV or what you watch on you know, videos and there's all those shows and it's always a competition, right? Who's gonna get kicked off the island? Who's gonna be the next, uh, you know- The whatever. chef. Yeah. yeah, top chef or glow up star or whatever it is. Those all reinforce this idea of competition. Where are the shows that are about cooperation and collaboration? Oh, here's a problem in the world that we don't know how to solve. Let's get together and figure out how to solve that problem. It doesn't matter who solves it because we cannot solve it on our own one person. The reward is gonna be in the working together not in the competition. Nobody's getting kicked off the island. You get to stay and we're going to bring in other people. Maybe you know someone else who can help us with this, right? 
We don't have that. We're so focused on competition, on ourselves. In competition, there's only two possibilities. Someone's going to be the winner and someone's going to be the loser. Nobody wants to be the loser. And there's that fear of being the loser. And then even if you're the winner, there's the fear that someone's going to knock you off your place. So again, let's put this back to performance management and all those reward system. Okay, I get the quarterly bonus because, you know, whatever it is that I did now, there's next quarter to worry about. My teammate comes over to me and says, oh, I'm working on this project. It's a super good project. You know, it's in the running for that quarterly bonus. And they say, can you help me with this part? And you say, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to do it because that's going to give that person an edge up. It's not better for the company. It's not better for society. But that's what competition does to us. Nobody wants to be the loser. John, I want to ask you, um, for the folks, um, some people watch this on YouTube so they, they, they can see you and, and, and see the, the, the marvelous way that Karen presents herself. And, and, and today we can see some of your, your tattoos. And I, I was wondering if you could um, just tell us for the people who are listening about the buttons you're wearing uh, and describe them. Sure. I have one button that's a green background with a red heart in the middle and that is our love and kindness project foundation button and you can order them at www.loveandkindnessproject.org bella i'm sure you'll put that in the notes and they're free well, yeah. free to anywhere in the world because kindness is free and we use these little buttons to give to people when we recognize their act of kindness and we just say if you see someone who uh, dropped their scarf somewhere and someone else picks it up rush over to the person who picked it up give them the button and say thank you for kindness when we recognize kindness it actually helps kindness grow this little button here which has is black and white it's a white background and it's got three little people with hearts that's our kind leadership button and when you finish a class or a workshop or an experience at new school for kind leaders you get a button to recognize your accomplishment and one of the great things about new school for kind leaders is that if you take a class and you feel you didn't get as much learning as you needed as enough practice because we're really focused on practice and community Within the classes, you can just take the class again. And when you're ready, you don't have to pay again. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> when you're ready, you just say, I'm ready for my button. And we send you the button. And there's a different button for each of the different uh, classes. Oh, that's so much fun. Wow, thank you. You're welcome. Everybody loves to get a button. <laughs> so Karen, where can people find you again? Um, so uh, to, to enroll in the school, and how do they get the book? Cool. To um, enroll in the new school for kind leaders, you can visit our website at kindleadership.org. So www.kindleadership.org. And you can also follow our page on LinkedIn and Facebook, the new school for kind leaders. You can find me at karenrossconsulting.com or at the Love and Kindness Project Foundation. And a few weeks ago, I had a very nice young man who 
listen to a podcast that I was on. And at the end of the podcast, I said what I always do. You can call me up. My phone number is on my website. You can send me an email. My email's on my website. And I'm happy to talk with you. And he listened to the podcast. And he sent me a note. And we chatted that afternoon. If you need help to practice kind leadership, because we also have kind leadership coaching and mentoring. If you're not sure how to act kindly in a certain situation and you need help, please contact me because no act of kindness is too small. Every act of kindness you do, every word of kindness you speak makes a huge positive difference. You're a leader and your kind leadership changes the world. Thank you. Thank you, Karen. It's been so much fun and a great pleasure talking with you. And I wish you all kinds of success with the uh, with the book and with the school. And you'll probably see me hanging around there too. So <laughs> I can't looking wait forward to, to seeing everybody at Kind Leadership Week, September 13th through 17th. Bella, thank you so much. Thanks for coming. This is Bella Engelbach, and I'd like to thank Karen Ross for being my guest on The Edges of Lean. How will you demonstrate kind leadership? We'd love to hear from you. Find Karen at KarenRossConsulting.com or on LinkedIn or comment wherever you watch or listen. No matter how you travel to The Edges of Lean, your ratings, reviews, and comments are greatly appreciated. Please join me in exploring more of the edges of Lean. There's a lot to learn. And check out my friends in the Lean Communicators community at leancommunicators.com. You'll find more podcasts and videos with lots of great content every week. The Edges of Lean is written and produced by Bella Engelberg. This is a Lean for Humans production.